0: D.W.
1: Start,
0: Frankfurt. Departure, Frankfurt. Frankfurt.
1: Ziel in Kefl. Arrival, Reykjavik, Iceland. The flight for two people emitted approximately 2.2 tons of CO2. This is a geothermal field.
0: and stinks. <laughs> it really smells like sulfur. It bubbles and hisses everywhere. That was really impressive. Yeah.
1: Really out of this world.
2: Yes. Manuela and Michel Struve are showing photos and videos from their honeymoon in Iceland in August 2020, where they decided to go despite the coronavirus pandemic. The couple from Stuttgart rented a van and drove around the island for more than three weeks, where they saw landscapes and animals they'd never encountered before. These are nice memories, that's for sure. But such travels can also be harmful for the environment, especially the flights, says Dr. Lambert Schneider, Research Coordinator for International Climate Policy, Energy and Climate at the Non-Governmental Institute for Applied Ecology in Berlin.
3: Air traffic is responsible for about 2.5% of global CO2 emissions. But it's not just about CO2 emissions. Flights create clouds and have an impact on the ozone in the atmosphere. That's why air traffic contributes to global warming considerably more. The numbers vary slightly, but it's safe to say that air traffic is responsible for four to eight percent of global warming.
2: Dr. Lambert has been part of UN climate change conference debates for two decades. He chooses to get around mostly by bike and is concerned about the fact that air traffic is expected to increase even more in the future.
3: Emissions usually roughly double every 20 years. We currently have a drop because of Corona. But it is very possible that emissions will rise again.
2: Of course, the best thing would be not to fly at all. The two Iceland holidaymakers know that, and say they're generally very considerate of the environment in their day-to-day lives.
1: The question is... What's the alternative? If you really want to go to Iceland, how else are you going to get there?
2: That's why Manuela and Michel Struve decided to offset the CO2 emissions of their flights. They sent their travel details to the not-for-profit CO2 compensation company Atmosphere, which won an independent consumer safety test in 2018. According to Atmosphere, the couple's round-trip tickets from Frankfurt to Iceland emitted a little more than two tons of CO2. That's more than the average person in India emits a year. Compensating these emissions costs 50 euros. But what exactly happens to that money? Let's find out. Starting with a closer look at the climate project in Kenya that Atmosphere invested Struve's money in. (laughs) The cows live on a small piece of land behind the house of Teresia van Goy. Here, in a suburb of the capital of Nairobi, there are mainly fields and a couple of houses. Usually, this is an idyllic countryside, where only birds are chirping. But for a couple of days now, construction has been going on in front of the cow's shelter. Right next to the machines, huge holes have been dug up. Two large containers are sticking out of the holes. So large, in fact, that a worker can stand inside of them. They are part of a biogas plant. It's
0: under construction. We feed the dung there. It gets down there. And this is the digester. Santef is a long story. It's anaerobic digestion. There are microorganisms that generate biogas from cow dung.
2: David Karanja, a CEO of Sustainable Energy Strategies, a company specialized in renewable energies in Kenya. He has been working with Atmosphere for years. Donations made to the German company are invested right here, into this biogas plant, which connects all the way to the kitchen of Teresia van Goy. The farmer cannot wait to finally connect her gas cooker.
0: So happy about the
1: biogas. It's efficient and it's easy to use. And this one is not costly, we only use
2: the one. cows. And their dung, plus roughly 50 liters of water from the tap inside of the house. David Karanja has hired around 20 men to build and operate this plant. That's how the project is creating jobs. One village away, at Salome Kangeta's house, the biogas plant has long been built. And she's making use of it every day. Right now, she's busy heating up some lunch. It works really well. We're cooking, and we still have gas left over. And her household isn't small. Three daughters, of which one has a baby herself, and two sons also live with Salome and her husband. Before the biogas plant, they used to cook on a wood burner.
0: When we used coal and wood, the whole house would be full of smoke. You can see how black our walls are.
3: That's because of all the smoke. But that's finally over.
2: Cooking on wood burners is extremely inefficient. In addition to the soot, it also emits a lot of CO2. Cooking with biogas is much better for the climate. The small forest next to the house is also being spared, since Salome's husband no longer chops down a tree once a week for fuel. Atmosphere helped to pay for the biogas plant and gave the family around 350 euros. The rest, roughly 700 euros, they had to pay themselves by taking out a small loan from a Kenyan organization. They'll have everything paid off in a year and a half. David Karanja promises that the biogas plant will work long afterwards.
0: We try to make the price fair. Number one, our biogas unit is, is, is the best. There is no, no, Nobody can do like we are doing. It's the ones we did 10 years ago are uh, operating, which is rare.
2: The biogas plant is not a solution for eternity. It will help the family for some years, though, just like it helped roughly 800 other families in the area. Without the support of Atmosphere, Salome and her husband Patrick say they wouldn't have made such an investment. The biogas project in Kenya is just one of several climate compensation projects worldwide. Many companies have hopped onto the carbon offset train and are compensating voluntarily, from tech giants like Amazon and Microsoft to car parts suppliers like Bosch. Carbon neutrality is a buzzword for shareholders as well as customers. The Iceland holidaymakers, Manuela and Michel Struve, decide to take a look at other companies that offer to invest the costs of offsetting CO2, such as My Climate, Klima Collector and Arctic. But again and again they get different cost calculations for the CO2 emissions of the same route.
1: Atmosphere calculated 2.2 tons, while Arctic says we emitted 2.6 tons. Why is it more? Yes, and why do they still only suggest less than 40 euros as a compensation fee?
2: The price to offset one ton of CO2 varies extremely, between 11 and 23 euros. On a UN website, some 1 ton CO2 certificates are sold for less than 1 US dollar. The fact that emissions vary from one CO2 calculator to the next could be because they are based on different estimations of how harmful different elements of flying are for the climate. For example, condensation trails, disruptions to the ozone, and soot. The fact that compensation companies have different prices per tonne of CO2 is for different reasons, though. The question is, how much does it cost to offset the amount of CO2 emissions from the flight in different ways? That can vary, depending on the technology.
3: For example, if I have an efficient wood stove, that may well be more expensive to avoid the tonne of CO2 than if I do something like avoid nitrous oxide from nitric acid production which is a relatively inexpensive climate protection measure.
2: What's more, there's a huge surplus of CO2 certificates on the offset market, says Schneider. Some owners of climate protection projects prefer to sell off their certificates than be left with them, he explains. And some of the certificates are so cheap because the climate protection projects don't really depend on this kind of funding. They sometimes just want to earn some extra cash. But CO2-offsetting projects only have a positive impact on the climate if they initiate further measures that weren't already
3: planned. Let's take a wind turbine in India as an example. The question people should ask themselves is, will this wind turbine be built anyway, or is it being built because I'm investing in the project by buying CO2-offsetting credits? Because if the wind turbine is being built anyway, then the emissions will be reduced anyway. So if I emit more greenhouse gases with my flight, then more greenhouse gases will land in the atmosphere. So in order for the market to function, it is extremely important that these projects are only enabled because of the climate protection certificate. But often,
2: that's exactly the problem. Nobody knows what would have happened without the offsetting payment. The CO2 offset market is actually mostly dominated by projects that don't receive compensation by the state. Projects offered by the company Prima Klima, for instance. The not-for-profit organization plans and protects forests because forests store CO2. It's early in the morning at Kibale National Park in Uganda, where a team of five men dressed in green uniforms are setting off. They carry a lot of technical equipment that's supposed to help them with the mission of the day, measuring the forest.
0: Every time you go to a tree, you pick different attributes like diameter, you pick the crown of the tree, and then you pick the height.
2: Richard Kigenye works for the Ugandan Wildlife Department. The forest is a habitat for a diverse range of species, so it comes under his responsibility.
0: Kiba National Park is very important because it has a lot of wildlife, especially the chimpanzees. We have the elephants, we have many bird species, close to 372 species of birds.
2: In some parts of the forest, you can clearly hear the chimpanzees in the distance. Roughly 1,500 of them live here in the National Park. It's the largest population worldwide. There's also some baboons and other types of monkeys. But a couple of decades ago, this haven for wild animals was almost completely destroyed. Under the Ugandan ruler Idi Amin, the forest was cleared in the 70s.
0: Because for him, he regarded the forest as a hideout for rebels. Any wrongdoer was will go and hide in the forest. So he had to give it out to communities, and then they settle there.
2: At the beginning of the 90s, a reforestation project was brought to life. Richard Kinggenyi says the Ugandan government wasn't able to finance it on their own.
0: Unfortunately, we didn't have enough funds, so we had to source out for partners who would help us to cut out the protection.
2: The Dutch organization Face the Future was on board almost from the beginning. Nowadays, the German company Prima Klima also supports the project. According to them, the donations that have been invested in Uganda have helped absorb around 200,000 tons of CO2, emitted by roughly 20,000 Germans.
0: So I do it five times. It is uh, 179.
2: A team regularly checks how much the forest has grown.
0: This is now, the total is for the over 4,000 hectares have been planted. And this is something to do with the 20 kilometers from one project site the other. Prima Kilima has planted, around 24,000 trees have been planted by Prima Kilima.
2: It's hard to imagine now that it looked completely different here only 30 years ago. Back then, one of the only plants that grew here was elephant grass, and everything the farmers planted. Many of the local villagers are involved in a project, working in the park and helping to take care of the trees. Their training is partially paid by offsetting donations. Some of the donations are also used to increase the infrastructure in the villages, says Richard Kinggenyi. Today, the Kibale National Park is a green oasis in Uganda, where chimpanzees build their shelters up high in the trees again. Forests are not just a habitat for many animals and plant species. They also function as water reservoirs, stop erosion and store enormous amounts of CO2. But how they are protected can be controversial. It's also debatable whether forest restoration should be used to offset CO2 at all. Forest fires and pests can kill freshly planted forests in less than no time. Then we are back to square one and the CO2 emissions that have been released need to be offset in different ways. A Greenpeace report recently took a closer look at a large forest protection project on the Indonesian island of Kalimantan. It concluded that the added value for the climate and the local population was highly questionable and not quantifiable at all. That's a controversial statement, especially because large companies like VW and Shell have been investing in exactly this project, two companies namely that make money off the fact that people drive cars that release CO2 into the atmosphere. What's the bottom line? While it may sound enticing to offset your personal CO2 emissions, it is de facto often unclear how much CO2 is actually being saved because of the compensation payment. And some projects can even lead to conflicts with the local population. It very much depends on the individual project whether CO2 offsetting makes a difference. And it's not an easy task to choose which project to invest in.
3: It is really difficult. And I can imagine that it overwhelms many consumers. Even I, as an expert, sometimes hesitate which project I should choose.
2: Lambert Schneider's advice is to invest in efficient cooking stoves or biogas plants and to choose double certification if possible. In the end, offsetting CO2 emissions is a zero-sum situation at best. It means worldwide emissions won't increase. But if we want to achieve climate goals, then our emissions have to decrease quickly and drastically to below one ton of CO2 emissions per person per year. Something the Struves are far from achieving. If
0: you look at our yearly average, how much we are above what we should be, even though we mainly use public transport and usually don't fly on planes, then that definitely makes you wonder, what else can we do? Maybe change our diet or behaviour? I definitely believe we have to think about that
2: more.
0: DW